What's up, everybody? I'm David Hain. Welcome to episode 105 of the A to D from Addict to Disciple podcast. I appreciate your listening, and I would appreciate even more if you like, subscribe, follow, and share the link with your friends, or click on the support link in this episode's description. Your donation of any amount could change a life. When we come back, we'll get into this episode entitled, What's Behind Your Eyes? Welcome back to episode 105 of the A to D from Addict to Disciple podcast entitled, What's Behind Your Eyes? I want to give a big welcome to my friends in recovery from the U.S., South Africa, and Australia for their participation in this group. As before, I'll be keeping them anonymous, but I'll be saying their answers as if we're having a live group meeting. Hey guys, this next topic is a deep one. It comes from a session I had with 30 teens in a children's home in South Africa. I'd like each of you to think back to something you saw or experienced when you were young and too young to understand, but that it did scar you and may have fueled your addiction. You know, that memory of what you saw, those memories that stay behind your eyes when you close them at night, the ones that you could say, I was old enough to remember all of it and young enough to understand none of it. Eddie? Yeah, David, I think about this all the time, but to be honest, I try to go deep but everything I do does not help me understand why I do the things I do. Unfortunately, I've come to the realization that perhaps I have blocked everything out about this topic. You see, besides my mother and family abusing alcohol and domestic violence, extreme poverty but genuine love for my grandmother, I cannot for the life of me remember anything that shook my world to answer your question about what's behind my eyes. One thing for sure though, there are traits and emotions that surface that make me wonder if there's actually not an underlying source that has caused me to be that way. Wow, thanks Eddie. I appreciate your your just open honesty as you're still wondering and searching. You know, there may be something that you just buried really deep as a young boy. Yes, David, I know there is. I guess I'm probably not ready to face it. Hopefully one day. Well, Eddie, you have a great, safe, supportive group to share with if it ever bubbles to the surface. Let's see what the other guys say. Gary, are you ready? Yes, David. There's one experience I had which stands out for me. You see, I was 12 years old at the time, and despite the fact that I was excelling both academically and on the sport field, my life and my father's health was nothing short of a horror story. I was receiving regular beatings from my father at times. I recall for no other reason than just being there. 
He made it clear in his treatment of me that he resented my very presence in his house, that I was not wanted and not worthy of being his son. I know I truly believed that I needed to be better, that it was my fault, and for that very reason, I threw myself into my schoolwork and into my sports disciplines. I was rewarded with certificates of, of excellence in both areas. On the day that I received the certificates, I could not wait for my father to get home from work so I could present him with these certificates of my acknowledged achievements. I had one of my school friends over with me at our house and we waited for my father's arrival. I remember when he pulled up in the driveway and parked the car in the garage. There I was, eagerly waiting at the door with certificates in hand. But what happened next virtually changed my whole perspective and shaped my attitude and behavior for the remainder of my childhood and deep into my adulthood. My dad emerged from the garage like a raging thunderstorm. He had a fearsome temper and I was trembling with every fiber of my being when I handed him my certificates. My father gave my certificates only a cursory look and then crunched them in his hands and punched my lights out. When I came to, I had no idea how long I had been out cold from his blow. All I knew was I had a huge bump on my forehead, my friend was gone, and my whole head was throbbing in pain. Needless to say, from that point on, I avoided my father as much as possible. But the beatings increased in regularity and intensity. I could never figure out why he beat me whenever he got his hands on me. I was just convinced it was my fault. Amazingly, I reconciled with my father five years before he died of cancer. And the last thing I said to him as he laid there semi-conscious on the hospital bed was, I love you, Dad. As I held his hand in mine, I felt him almost imperceptibly squeeze my hand in response. That recent reconciliation we had and his heartfelt apology went a long way toward my healing and my freedom from alcoholism. For five indescribable years, I had a loving, caring father and a best close friend. Pshaw. Thanks, Gary. I can definitely see how that experience was always there behind your eyes. I'm glad you got those last five years with your dad, though. Dante, what's behind your eyes? David, around the time of my parents' divorce, I found pornography. I was 12 years old. My body was starting to change, and the sensation and I'll say even relief that I experienced with viewing and acting out on pornography was pretty traumatic for a 12-year-old kid. You see, my trauma was having to deal with something that I acted out on rather than something that happened to me. I don't have regrets or feel bad about it per se, but I do know how much it messed me up mentally and emotionally and how I viewed a healthy relationship with the opposite sex. That is still an area that I'm growing in and improving on. In my early 30s, 
I met and befriended someone, and I shared with him about my parents' divorce. He just asked me right out, where was Jesus in that moment, Dante? And I broke down sobbing because I believed he wasn't there. I've never actually had a conscious thought that Jesus wasn't there before this. But it wasn't until I was asked a question and I was forced to open up inside of my own assumptions that I was able to experience healing. And I realized that God was there in those moments earlier on when I chose to go down that path of using pornography. Wow. Thanks, Dante, for that glimpse into another aspect of trauma. The ones from the choices that we made in our youth and having to process those choices as we grow older. Charlie, are you ready to share? Sure, David. Something that kept me in bondage for years when I was a kid was I, I told my dad I saw my mom kissing another man. Well, later, all night long, I listened to screams and saw the blood coming from my mother. I felt it was all my fault. I carried all the weight, shame, fear, guilt, pain, and trauma around for like 30 years. I never knew why I couldn't speak all those years after that. I never knew why my relationships with my parents and people were so hard. I never knew why I felt unloved. I never knew the deep emotional and mental toll that that one instance took on me. And this lasted until one week last year while I shared my story at an AA meeting. And I realized that that was the moment that was crippling me with fear to make relationships with anyone. Now I'm able to heal from it and with a little help from my friends and by declaring victory over this in Jesus' name, I'm a work in progress but even 1% progress every day is better than that 100-proof devil stuff I was drinking every day. Charlie, it's awesome to hear as you guys have found healing and redemption from the scars of our youth. Harry, what do you think about today's topic? David, this was really an emotional topic for me to think back to the thing that haunted me as a child. The thing that fueled my rebellious behavior and the selfish personality that I had. You see, my scar was rejection. When I was young, my parents were alcoholics and my mother was an abusive alcoholic. When she drank, she became a violent demon, an absolute nightmare who cursed and swore at anyone with no recollection of it, no memory of the previous day's events and what she did and said while she was drunk. One day, whilst in her drunk state, she told me that she regretted adopting me. I was only 12 years old, and up till today, I still can't understand why she said that to me. It hurt me deeply, and I didn't know what to do, so I later talked to my cousins, and I got the confirmation that yes, I was adopted and I never knew it. What a way to find out. And from that point on, the abuse in my house just got worse. 
I started to hate my home, and I also started to hate my biological parents. You see, I was dealing with the fact that they rejected me and put me in this hell of my adopted family. I hated my life as I couldn't be a normal child. My parents forgot my birthday twice as I grew up. I got beaten in my sleep for no reason. I tried to ask family members for help, but nobody assisted. I contacted the child line and the lifeline, and they also couldn't help me. I spoke to pastors and still was stuck living there. And this led to my addiction. It led to me drugging and using alcohol to numb my pain. And I can tell you that still to this date, I have thoughts of why I was given up for adoption. For years, I was waiting to track down my biological parents and make them feel the pain and hurt that I went through. I was going to hurt them with words and emotionally break them down. But over the last few years of being clean and sober, I've been praying for forgiveness from the Lord and to give me the serenity to let go and forgive everyone. I do have thoughts now and then and try to deal with the emotions clearly now because I'm sober and clean, but it's hard. Shaw, thanks so much for your transparency of dealing with your, all those emotions and trauma and abuse and the way you found out about your adoption. I, I really appreciate that. Ben, can you close us out for today? Sure, David. Well, I think I was somewhere around seven, maybe eight years old, and this girl, who I think was probably 15 or so, lived a couple houses down from where I lived. I remember her building these little forts out of folding chairs that you could take to the beach to lay out on. And we would crawl inside that little fort that she would build. And I can even remember to this day the way the plastic from the chairs smelled. Long story short, I remember her one day commencing to undress me and fondling me. And to be honest about it, I remember even as a kid enjoying the feeling but knowing that something was wrong. I remember one of the episodes when she said, I want to teach you how to kiss. And she put her lips on mine and stuck her tongue in my mouth. And ugh, I was just a little kid and I felt like she was putting a worm in my mouth and it freaked me out. I jumped back, screamed, crawled out of the little beach chair house and took off running home. I'm not sure what all I did or said or if my reaction caused the neighbors to be curious but I know that I was never allowed over to her house again after that. Throughout my life, I've done some really in-depth counseling to get at the root of my addictions. And I really believe it goes back to that tent and the smell of those chairs. But I'd have to say that facing and dealing with it and talking about it has not only helped me in the area of strengthening my resolve to fight the good fight against drug and sexual addictions. But I also have credible evidence to speak into others' lives in such a way that they will actually listen to me because they know I've been through it. I haven't thought about it, but this episode has really 
touched me and I feel I've been healed because I opened the wound and I looked at it with Jesus. He took my hand, walked into that wound and did what only he can do. I hope he does the same for the listeners. Shaw, guys, I know your stories will touch and help a lot of listeners as they hear this podcast. It's so important for each of us to realize when we have that trauma that keeps popping up in our mind and behind our eyes when we close them, that we're not alone. And there are people out there who understand and have powerful testimonies of healing. Thanks for listening to this episode of the A to D from Attic to Disciple podcast. If you would like to join an online group or get one-on-one counseling to help you as you process what is behind your eyes, please message me on the link in this podcast or by email at davidfromatod at gmail.com or go to my website www.fromatod.org and click on the contact page. You can also keep in touch with what we're doing in From A to D by following me on Instagram at David from A to D. Tune in Monday for our next episode and as always, stay safe and stay strong.